machine with Slim coming back at you today. My voice feels a little bit better. Does it sound a little better? I suppose that's more relevant. Happy to be here. Ready to talk about things other than NFL football and the Super Bowl, but we probably still got to pick some of these uh, news stories up and give you some of the after effect type of statistics and notes that the media is talking about, ESPN articles and whatnot, to help me along during the day today. Mitty is in studio. Welcome back, Mitty. How's it going? Great. I mean, I'm, a, I'm still a little down yesterday. If you heard the show yesterday, my voice was ravaged from uh, yelling and assorted nonsense during the weekend. Why? What happened over the weekend? I just, I had, uh, had a couple parties went to, and then it was a Super Bowl day, and I, we lost. You know, San Francisco, I really wanted to win that game. I just felt that they should have won. I was rooting for them. I was rooting against Kansas City. And it just kind of hit me like, I can't believe they lost. So yesterday I was a little bit down. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, I was kind of expecting the Niners to do a little bit more than they did. But uh, you, you can't go against the Kansas City Chiefs and just, you can't plan to beat them. You know, you, you got to put up your best game on your best day and, and hope that you have more than Pat Mahomes has that day. And you know who else played really well too, by the way? And you can't take that away from uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. He did in the second half. Travis Kelsey definitely That's did. right. Travis Kelsey, yeah. Taylor Swift's boyfriend. <laughs> That's his real name. Is he going to change that legally? I wonder. I wonder. Ma'auto. Ma'auto. Yeah, Mahomes and Ma'auto. Uh, what, if, what if I went and legally changed my name to Taylor Swift's boyfriend first? Could he then change it to the exact same name? I guess he could. There'd be no Sure. Sure. Why idea. not? Although I think you should be Slim Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I just decided against it. There we go. So here we go. What I thought was interesting to start today's show, I saw the Super Bowl, it turns out, was the most watched program in television history. It averaged 123.4 million viewers throughout the game. I guess the Super Bowl the year before had 115 million or so average viewers. 123 million viewers of the game, most watched TV show of all time. Pretty impressive, Mitty, right? Well, they had a heck of a cast. I mean, you look at who was there. <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, so as you may have noticed, uh, I've mentioned Taylor Swift a couple times. Has anybody noticed that Taylor Swift has become like the face of football lately? We talked about it. It was uh, She was the voice of my son's talent show last week when I went to the talent show at the school and three students went and did either lip-syncing, dancing, choreography-type stuff, or just flat-out sang her songs. And when the music came on, baby, the whole gymnasium lit up. The kids all started moving when they had been you know, just sitting in their seats without any movement for the previous five acts. They love the Taylor Swift stuff. Man. Absolutely. And, and you cannot deny the fact that football has gained a huge media presence simply because she's at the game. Did you notice every single time... Travis Kelsey touches the ball and does anything. The camera pans back to Taylor Swift up in that box every single time. Hey, hey, hold on, Jim. She's here right now. It's kind, of, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, kind oh. of, it's kind of annoying to me this this Taylor Swift stuff. I don't want I don't want these uh, outside people influencers influencing my sporting events. Sports is, is my thing. I spend all my time watching sports, and I want to watch the sporting event, and, and I want to watch what the players do, not what the people cheering on the players are doing. Well, speaking of what they're doing, just a second. Me and Taylor are going to chug a beer. 
Yeah, yeah. Now that's that's a big deal, right? She's 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 drinking that on television for some reason. People think that's a big deal. I don't. I don't it's not. Really get it. Who cares? You know what Taylor Swift is that nobody seems to understand? She is a human being. She has the right to go to a football game and drink a beer without the camera getting in her face and saying, how can you set such a terrible example for our children? Is that what they're saying? They're yes. saying she's setting yes. a terrible example? There was a, gosh, I wish I had actually uh, written down the, the, the source, but there was a woman that, that posted a tweet about how can you expect that girl to be role models for our young women when she's acting like that? She went to a football game and she drank a beer. Well, what is wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody just wants to judge, point fingers. We did. We said it yesterday. I talked about the the game, and I wanted somebody to blame. I wanted to blame people on the 49ers. This guy it was his fault because the ball bounced off his leg, or it was uh, Brock Purdy's fault because he didn't see somebody open that he should have, and he should be a better quarterback than he is. But in the end, it's just like, hey, things are gonna happen. Why do we always need to blame somebody? Is it strictly to get like followers on social media? Well, I think it's just a couple things. Number one, I think it's to make an excuse. I mean, everybody wants to wants to say, you know, we're going to win this game before the game. But then afterwards, you have to have something to say. I mean, not- well, I was wrong. You can't just say, yeah, well, I was wrong on my prediction. Yeah. You have to blame somebody else as for why. And then you don't no. even say you need to have some confidence going into the game <laughs> and at least think that you have a chance. I mean, you did fight 17 games plus a couple of playoffs to get here in the first place. So. What are you supposed to do? Sit there before the game and say, well, I am going up against Pat Mahomes today. I expect to go home with my tail between my legs. I'll probably throw a couple of picks, but you know what? That's Pat Mahomes, so I guess I'm just here to lose. No, no. You're here to have a good attitude. You're here to put up your best game. And sure, maybe you're here to lose against Pat Mahomes, but a really fun statistic in Super Bowl history that I bet you didn't know. Did you know that 50% of every team that has played in the Super Bowl has lost? I did know that, yeah. actually. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, right? I just didn't reveal that to my listening audience yet. Yeah. I, I did want to reveal to them a few stats from the gambling side of things with the with the Super Bowl. Ooh. Um, stuff I saw on, on TV here as I was looking. Most popular or most amount of money bet in Nevada in the history of all Super Bowls. That's pretty big. That shows That's that good. gambling is growing well. It just shows how popular things are, even with the rise of sports books all across the uh, the country and legalized sports betting mm-hmm. in various states. Still, Las Vegas and Nevada was able to you know have more bet on that game of course. than in any other year. Well, you would just think maybe the people wouldn't be going to Nevada. Maybe they'd just stay home because they could well, bet in their do own it on state. sports game. Yeah, DraftKings, but. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of money flying around in that city that night, but uh, I'm sure there uh, you was. Know, some of some of the some of the bets were a little interesting too. I mean, uh, plus one forty on purple Gatorade being the Gatorade dumped onto the winning. Coach's Is that what it head. was? Was it yeah. purple? Plus four hundred on lemon lime, which I I would have thought. Well, would which be one, a, which was it? It ended up being purple. It was. So whoever uh, whoever was smart enough to guess purple Gatorade made it, might have made a pretty good payday that day, and uh, I believe the odds on. Taylor Swift drinking a second beer was what point uh, plus four hundred, <laughs> and if it was a natty ice, it might have been plus three hundred. Like, well, there we go. If she's drinking natty icy, I would want to watch that. I would actually want to zoom in on that just to see her face reaction after it was oh, done. Oh, is that what that tastes like, <laughs> you poor people? Oh my goodness. Yeah, horrible. But uh, no, again, uh, I don't mean to bring that up again, but it just—it really annoys me that so many people can't stop talking about that. You know, the, the poor girl just wants to. Be a person. I don't even think she's trying to show the world, hey, I'm just a person like you. I think she's actually just being one. 
on my end, I, I, I could care less either Me way. Too. I could care less either way. But, but they're talking about it, so they, we got to talk about they it. Are, they are talking about it. We don't necessarily have to talk about it. We could talk about the San Francisco 49ers and how you can't beat the champ That's a good point. by just hoping to play Did she chug that beer like a normal person? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yeah, she did. She did like I might and have. And she slammed it down after two. Yeah, and she knew the cameras were on her. So good, good for her. You're you a know hero. What? I'm, I'm changing my take on 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 Taylor Swift. Um, I'm not a Swifty. My wife is, but uh, she got my respect this this weekend. I, there's no reason not to like her. She's I mean, a, she's I'm, a great person. Unless she's a plant by uh, you know the Liberati or what it is, what it is the secret society here controlling things just to influence the way that we think. Just make sure everything. when we get a commercial break, make sure you <laughs> let them know that they should come back and listen again on uh, on Slim's Swift Show. Yeah, yeah. Let's have her come in and, and hijack the show today. That'd be that'd be great. Well, I'm you're being one, too loud. It's my fault. I was the one that. Uh, Said I might change my name to her boyfriend. San Francisco 49ers, they got nobody to blame but themselves. You just look at look at the the, the sloppy the the pattern of errors throughout the game, really. And I talked with my brother Dave yesterday afterwards. Try to think of one great play during the game. And really, what was the best play? Like that pass back that went for a touchdown and the Jennings threw to McCaffrey. That was a great play. Sure. Uh, later on in the game, there was one kind of pass out to the flat that McCaffrey got, and I can remember going, oh, look at this. And he he juked this guy and went for about 15 yards or so off that pass, 20 yards, because he's wicked fast and shifty. But besides that, like, I don't know. There wasn't really anything else great to get excited from. The, the longest play of the game, I think, was 21 yards. It was a, it was a defensive battle, and it was a... Uh I don't know what's what's it a battle of contrition? What's what's that old saying? Yeah, just, attrition. Attrition. Yeah, attrition. Um, I'm not. Down, I'm I'm not a uh, <laughs> a super cunning linguist here, but um, I, uh, I I I don't really enjoy those 25, 22 games, especially when you've got a Pat Mahomes on one side throwing the ball to nobody, and then a nobody on the other side throwing the ball to everybody. It was a 1919 you know. game. Do you know just, how many just receivers? So knows it was 1919 until you know the end of the game, and then we went overtime, kick a field goal, yep. and we got six. So 22-25 doesn't even do it justice. It was 1919, and one of those touchdowns came when the ball bounced off a foot of a guy, and the Kansas City was set up at like the 20-yard line and gifted a touchdown. So otherwise, it might have been 19 to 12. People that uh, bet the under or over in the game are left to lament that, and we're going to talk about that when we come back here on segment two. Is that all right, Mitty? Yeah, as long as we get a chance to talk about... uh, No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. This is the Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Let's talk about some of the betting action here and some of just the bad beats. Remember the lead-up, everybody? I talked to you about why my prediction was that the 49ers would win the game by one or two. And if you remember back to Sunday, as the game was playing out and the 49ers ended up scoring the touchdown to go up by four, 
I mean three, when the Jake Moody guy missed the extra point. If they had gone up by four, I'm pretty sure at that time there was like 11 minutes and 40 seconds left in the game. And I'm sitting here going, oh, man, this is setting up for San Fran to win by one. 11.40, you're kicking the ball off to KC. We let them go down, kick a field goal maybe with like seven, six minutes, five minutes left. Then San Fran would be up by one. No, no, no. No, no, no. Jake Moody misses that kick. Now it's a three-point game. And, you know, the math don't work out from there to have a one- or two-point victory for anybody. Casey comes down, kicks that field goal. But while all this is going on, and Mitty, I don't know if you were paying attention. Probably not. You weren't paying attention to the over-under total of 47 or 47 and a half in the game, were you? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I oftentimes like to do the over and the under. Uh, anytime I see two offensive juggernauts going against each other, like, like Bill's Chiefs or remember back with the Rams Chiefs, um, I like to go with the over just because I know it's going to be a, a, a gunslinging contest. And uh, I like to parlay that with whoever I think is going to win the game and try to boost sure. my odds up a little bit. Well, that's what most people do, I think. And nowadays with the same game parlays, they also add in a bunch of other stats. So let's keep this in mind with the total being over under 47, 47 and a half the day of the game. A lot of money come in on the under. So in some spots, the total went down to 46 and a half, and uh, well, we'll, it's a bad break. Well, th- exactly. That's why the bad breaks are the piece that that I love to talk about and focus on because I've had such a life of gambling, and it's just it's so exciting. But so, oh no, crushing when Deflating. you're on the wrong side of these things. Now you got to remember, somebody's always going to be on the winning side, and somebody's going to be on the losing side. Let's look at one of these bets I talked about for people that were playing like same game parlays, in which you could play like ten different things in one bet and have a chance to win huge money. You bet five, ten bucks, you could win a thousand. Well, one of those very common bets for this game was to bet the over total for Brock Purdy rushing yards. And that total, uh, for most of the week, I think, had been 12 and a half yards. And I'm just going off of an ESPN article here I, I read through. I wasn't following it because I didn't bet this, but early in the fourth quarter, he had a run, I think, for four yards, and he told, his total was at 13 at this point. Then at the end of regulation, remember after KC kicked a field goal to tie the game at 19, Brock Purdy takes a snap, yeah. the, last snap the last snap of the, the, the game here for regular regulation. He takes a knee. And that's marked as a minus one yard rushing. He doesn't run the ball again. So he goes from having (laughs) that 13 yards for somebody who bet the over to going to 12. All those people lost. Well, what you see on this article from ESPN is that like this was the most common bet for these props. I think it was at MGM Casino. And 90% of the bettors were on the over. Oh, so so that, that's that what I've learned through so many years of gambling is when everybody's betting on one side, it's usually a good idea to go on the other side because everybody doesn't win. No. You know, this is a tough game, and when everybody's thinking the same thing, a lot of times— Bandwagon. Yeah, that, well, that, that's it. And, and so you take that knowledge. I was hoping it was going to be on the game with I thought everybody was on Kansas City, and most of the bets were on Kansas City. I think it was 65% of the, the bets were on KC. 
I figured people were betting Kansas City uh, on the money line, and so they're going to lose those bets if San Fran wins by one or two, and everybody that bets San Fran minus two or whatever, they wouldn't win on the other side. So it's just a in-the-middle proposition. Well, guess what? I was wrong. It wasn't on the betting action for San Fran KC for the game. What happened where everybody got messed up was on the total. The total for the game bounced back during the week from 47 to 47 and a half. 67% of the bets were on the over. Okay, throughout the entire week, people are betting the over, betting the over, betting the over. The total's 47, 47 and a half. It was 47 and a half most of the days that I looked at and we talked about on the show. So then the day happens for the game. A bunch of money comes in on the under. The total goes down to 46 and a half. If you wanted to be betting the under that day, now all of a sudden you're taking under 46 and a half. Now let's look at how the game plays out and go back to that missed extra point by Jake Moody, who you can tell is a nuts kicker. Dude's a rookie. He nailed 250-plus yarders in the Super Bowl, and one at the end of the game was pretty clutch. But it just so happens he gets a low kick on the extra point. Boom. The only way that game is going over, 46-and-a-half to 47, is if all of those events play out exactly the way that it did. You go to overtime, it's 19-19. San Fran comes out, kicks the field goal. KC comes back, scores the touchdown, and they don't need to kick the extra point on top of it. So the total settles right at 47 where the most amount of people can feel pain. Did I describe that accurately, Mitty? Does that make sense to you? I, I could feel myself getting more depressed as you were going on, but that's uh, that's totally normal. But, you know, one of the things that you have to keep in mind if you're going to go out and place bets, first off, obviously, only bet what you can afford to lose. But if you're going to bet, you need to remember that you're betting against Vegas, and they know how to do it. They know how to make odds. Do you think it's really a coincidence that it landed right on 47 when they picked 47? No. It's because they know how to do their jobs, and they are going to get your money unless is, you get lucky. This is what people say. Right? I love to hear that take from you, because you're not you're not a, a um, let's say, experienced no, gambler, are I, you? I know what you're saying. I, so, I do place bets fairly commonly, but I win the vast majority of my bets because I make very specific bets and I wait till the perfect one comes along that I'm feeling and I use math for instance at the beginning of this year at the beginning of this season there were four teams there were four teams that I liked to win the Super Bowl and ironically they were the San Francisco 49ers the Kansas City Chiefs the Baltimore Ravens and the uh, uh, who was the other one I had? Uh, Cowboys, maybe? No, no. Philly, Philadelphia, so Buffalo probably. Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, 49ers, and Ravens. Okay. And all of them had odds that were at least plus 400 or higher. So that means I'm going to multiply my money by four at least if I win. So um, I bet on the top four teams in the NFL, knowing that no matter which one of them, if one of them won the Super Bowl, I was going to make money. Right, so, maybe not a ton, but no, you might no. win a couple of bucks. There I bet go. $5 on each team. Yeah. And going into the Super Bowl, if the San Francisco 49ers won, I was going to make $55. And if the Chiefs won, I was going to make $55.25. and cents. Ten, so. 10 to 1 on San Fran. I don't know when you got that, honestly, but, uh, but I'll trust the math. 10 to 1? Well, yeah, if no, you no. bet $5 and you got 55 that's 10 to 1. Oh, oh yeah, that's... 
what it was. Double checked. Well, that's what maybe you caught them when they had lost three in a row or something because San Fran struggled at a certain point. But whatever the, the situation is, that's great that you that you were able to win on that. And that's the way to do it is you have some action, small amounts. I would uh, venture to say if you bet thousands on that, you might not have had experienced uh, such such good luck. I really feel that it's not the lines makers setting that line at 47 yesterday uh, or for, for the Super Bowl 47 and a half because they're so good. This is how everybody talks, Mitty. Everybody you ask, they'll say, oh, th- how does Vegas do it? It's it, it, And I've learned this through years of, of pain. Uh, and as I turned 50 last week, uh, 40 rough, <laughs> roughly years of pain is it's a magnet. Okay, yep. that 47 total, which could inflict the most amount of, uh, of pain <laughs> towards the gamblers, wasn't the genius of the uh, lines makers. No. It was the attraction to losing by people that have problem gambling and then have just exactly. you know have have set right in there so that way was the way that they were going to lose like it wasn't like the Vegas lines makers were geniuses no. that knew Jake Moody was going to kick miss the extra point no kick a field goal and then come back with a touchdown in overtime that's you know, you know I mean? they just know that we're a bunch of mosquitoes flying around and if they put a bright enough light we're going to come zap that ourselves 47 is the light that's exactly what it is that's that's the way to describe it. and it's good for people to understand that moving forward and knowing this if you want to bet because it's fun to bet especially yeah. if you bet small amounts like Mitty's talking about right and it's always going to come at the very end so win or lose you're going to feel it at the end you got it there you go right WKXL radio uh, 1450 AM 103.9 FM in Concord 101.9 FM in Manchester this is the Sports Machine with Slim NHTalkRadio.com we'll be right back after a commercial or two here bye Machine with Slim. Mitty is here. Hey, hey. During the commercial break, he actually uh, brought up something. I said, oh, that's that's interesting enough. Why don't you go ahead and tell people about it? That, that, here's your opportunity, Mitty. Go right ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. Actually, uh, we're just discussing uh, a couple of the field goals in the first half of that game. And if anybody noticed, uh, the first kick of the game was from Moody, San Francisco 49ers. He hit a 55-yard field goal. And as he hit it, they announced that 55 yards is the longest field goal in Super Bowl history, which was kind of cool. And he celebrated that for a few moments until uh, Harrison Butker got up and kicked a 57-yard field goal. Now, 57 is the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. It's it's just interesting. Uh, athletes are just getting better and better, and records are just getting broken constantly, and I feel like I can't watch any game ever without some sort of record being broken. Yeah, the big stat machine's like, oh, this guy's this many points, this assists, this rebounds, and this game, and yeah. it's the second time it's been done, or first time it's been done. Yeah. It's kind of boring with it that is. stuff. But it is weird how kickers What's, had what? never hit – 55 or more before. This What's the, the longest time. in uh, in NFL history? Like I think 63, that's 65 60, or so. 65. That 63 got beaten. I think Down that was Mexico. the Dempsey guy. But somebody, somebody definitely in recent days, like the last couple of years, has kicked from 65 at least. You know, it's not a it's not a groundbreaking discovery, but uh, <laughs> it is kind of interesting that uh, that the record for longest field goal ever 
is uh, uh, almost 10 yards longer than the one in the Super Bowl. You know, it's just interesting that coaches aren't going for those those big kicks in, in Super Bowl games. Do they change their strategy a little bit or, or uh, you know, maybe go away from what got them there in the first place and not go for those kicks? Maybe they're punting because they're in a Super Bowl and they don't want to blow it. They just you know, don't want to give very the, interesting. good offenses on the other side the, the great field position right, if you right. miss, I guess. But still, nowadays, it just seems like, I mean, watching those two guys kick, and one of them was a rookie. I mean, I know Moody is, is pretty darn He's good. He's got a but, leg, though. He's yeah, got a they, real good They one. drilled it. Both of these guys yeah. could have made it from five to ten yards further away. So it's like, well, wait a minute, it's almost, it's not guaranteed three points, but it's definitely worth yeah. taking the field goals in those. I wonder why those haven't been taken before. This game, it, obviously, in great conditions and weather and stuff like that, and uh, inside or whatever. An indoor game is going to change your strategy so much, of course, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because you look at uh, back when we had Vinatieri. That guy was such a clutch kicker. Never awesome. had that powerful leg to go for the long ones. But remember when, when he left the Patriots, he went down to Indianapolis and played inside a dome. And, and he was able to stay on the field till he was, what, like, like f- yeah. 48, 49, 50? I mean, he was kicking till he was an old man. He was a stud. I mean, he was part of the winning over here. When you have a winner, even if it's just in a small aspect of kicking, like you find a way to win. Like that Harrison Bucker guy, dude, he always makes his kicks. He's a winner. He's just a winner. And you could be like, well, he's just the kicker. But when you have a winner as part of a team, you're more likely to win. Pat Mahomes, by chance, you want to Mm -hmm. talk about? Because I did say the last time I was on here, I thought Pat Mahomes was the GOAT. And uh, now he has won that third Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's been six seasons now, like I said before. And Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes both have three Super Bowls. Pat Mahomes has about 30,000 more pass yards. He's got a higher QB (laughs) rating. He's got more yards on the ground. He's... Oh, nothing. You already know the... He the, does have all these uh, things. You're absolutely right. Statistically... And he had compared. no receivers. He has no receivers. In this game, nothing. No, he had... He had I mean, Travis Kelsey is one of the greatest pass catchers of all time. But no, nah, nah, I mean, Rishi Rice is just nope. another guy. Not for nothing. No. Uh, uh, how many how many conversations have we had in the last couple of years about Mac Jones and how he, he could do it if he just had some weapons? And then Pat Mahomes goes out there and wins a Super Bowl with a rookie and his trusty tight end. He's, I mean, he's the biggest winner on. out there, but he, he, he has no competition, Mitty. This is one thing I, my brother Dave has talked about saying, you know, when Tom Brady was in the middle of his runs here, he was going against some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, even Kurt Warner, right, was on the other side of the one uh, when he won his first with the Rams, wasn't he? Um, but you look through the time, he's like, he had to beat Aaron Rodgers or he, uh, with this type of player. Peyton Manning every year was right up against the Patriots. Like, it was Indy against the Pats how many years in the conference finals. Absolutely. And Tony Romo, and and, and there's been so many good quarterbacks. But look in the league now, you can't tell me that, you know, uh, Joe Burrow. Um, when he's healthy, he's just all, he's always hurt now. So Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow has beaten Patrick right. Mahomes once in the playoffs, and it really should have been twice. The refs robbed him last year. You got Herbert out there in L.A. Uh, oh, come on. His, his reputation his is so coaching much more sucks. than his performance. He, yeah, but on terrible level, coaching. If you're a winner, you'll be attracted to winning coaches, and you'll find a way to win. Like Justin Herbert, nobody's going to tell me he's good. I don't care. Maybe Harbaugh's going to go there and make the guy good. He's so overrated. He's done nothing in the league. I don't care if he has nice long hair and can throw the ball <laughs> a long way. He's he not still good. hasn't got that acne he's under done, control either. He, well, he just hasn't done anything. Like, like he doesn't deserve to get mentioned as like he's not in the same like stratosphere even close to Eli or Peyton Manning. So so the fact that that Brady had to go against the, some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, 
Peyton Manning is unquestionably a top five quarterback of all time. Like the, it, Mahomes, he's going against nobody. Brock Purdy, Josh Allen. I mean, uh, Josh Allen's a good player, but he chokes every time. Lamar Jackson, he's two and four in the playoffs. Like, who's the second best quarterback in the NFL right now? I have no idea. It's probably Josh Allen, and uh, and he is a heck of a good quarterback too. But uh, you also got to remember, it's a different league. Tom Brady was playing in this league when it was the Brett Favre's and the, and the, the the stand in the pocket quarterbacks that that don't run around. Yep. And Pat Mahomes has changed the way the game is played. He has completely changed it. Every single coach and every single GM in this league right now is trying to draft quarterbacks that can run linebackers that can get to the quarterback, offensive linemen that can protect their quarterback, defensive linemen that can go in and hit the quarterback. Every single thing that happens is based around Pat Mahomes, how he plays, and how you can stop him because every quarterback is being raised from a little kid to an NFL player, and they're being raised to want to be Pat Mahomes. When really they shouldn't be. I mean, you, you can raise a, a child or a player, I think, to, and teach them how to play like Lamar Jackson running the ball, who's incredibly, ridiculously fast. So when Talented. years passed, absolutely. You know, you, you might say, well, yeah, as a young kid, well, hey, you're so fast, maybe we're going to play you at wide receiver. Well, nowadays, like, no, no, you let the fastest kid have the ball in their hands the most often and be able to run. Patrick Mahomes, though, I think just a little bit different. It made me think of the play, like the biggest play of the game when it was fourth down. And I'm still furious about this because the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes from San Francisco, is just like, I mean, I try not to insult people, but uh, this dude cannot be the defensive coordinator for any team next year. It's fourth down, and I literally said to my wife when we're watching, it's fourth and one, I said, this, Kansas City is not going to hand the ball up, uh, off up the middle because San Francisco has been a beast up the middle all game. They're not going to risk that. The whole game is on the line. Not so what's going to happen, he's going to fake up the middle. Mahomes is going to then start to roll out to the right but they're going to worry that Bosa, who's on that side, was going to be coming through and break through. So there's going to be a tight end coming across the field at the same time. So Mahomes is either going to be able to run and go forward or throw it to the tight end. They ran the exact play that I called, and San Fran had nobody on the edge. This is the play that Patrick Mahomes ran for like 15 yards, and that's the game. If you stop that dude there, all momentum is in San Fran's side. They're feeling great. So Patrick Mahomes, you can say, running and, and all this. The guy's just the winner, but the people on the other side that he's playing against are just not nearly as smart as him. Right. Well, I mean, I think San Francisco played a good game in the first half, and I think the Chiefs really struggled to figure out what they were trying to do, but they, they eventually adapted. San Fran was but just better. By Maybe the second half of the game, them. but you if you watch the second half of that game, San Francisco was not playing to win anymore. They were playing not to lose. Exactly. You could just see it. They weren't playing the same game. And, and Pat Mahomes saw that, and he said, you know what? I'm better than you, and I'm going to make this happen. And I think Shanahan uh, just overthought it. And just overdid it. I think he he could have been smart and he could have made all the right play calls and he could have put himself in a position to succeed by just playing their game and not trying to change to play Pat Mahomes. Because Pat Mahomes is the best football player in the NFL. Is that Hands down. You have to beat the guy. He's not going to lose it on his yeah. own. But unfortunately, Kyle Shanahan, like this is what he does. And, and I don't want to say this is who he is because if he was in the interview room here right across the table from me, 
I'd be like, you know, like I don't want to insult you, dude. No. Nope. But you were at the offensive helm. You were the offensive coordinator in a Super Bowl when your team was leading 28 to 3. And we can sit and watch the tape if you want, where I could say, you made this mistake, that mistake, this mistake down the stretch that cost your team. You literally cost your team a Super Bowl. So I don't want to say that's who you are. But, but it is. It is because you've been up by 10 in the last two Super Bowls, San Francisco, that you've went as the head coach against Kansas City. The last one, I got no problem. Jimmy Garoppolo's not that guy. But this, you had the team to win this one, and you blew it. He's always been considered one of the greatest offensive minds in football. And when brains overdo it, they tend to overdo it too much. Brains should have just handed the ball off to McCaffrey a little bit more in that second half if you look at their drives. I know my brother Dave has done that. We'll be coming back. Let's talk a little bit of Celtics, Bruins, maybe a smidge of college basketball here on the Sports Machine with Slim Tuesday edition. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. Those are the dials for WKXL Radio. This is New Hampshire Talk Radio.com, people. If you haven't done anything yet, get to work on it. I will say there's a uh, a flower shop in Manchester that I had seen when I had hit Google a month or two ago and said, hey, what's the best flower shop? Chalifers? Chalifers? I don't even know how to pronounce it, but I ordered a dozen roses from them Ooh. Yep, for around the new year for my wife, and they were awesome. And so I just sent them an email saying, hey, any chance you have the bandwidth for me to order up a dozen red roses? I don't know if they will or not, but uh, that was voted number one flower shop in, in Manchester I saw online. So hopefully they'll be able right. to help me out. We'll see. Mitty, what do you have planned? Do you, do you have a, I have done nothing so far for my wife or, or for my uh, uh, daughter or son. Nothing yet for Valentine's Day. No plans. Well, my wife and I were talking about it the other day, and uh, we were talking about how we just like to save money and all that good stuff, which of course translates to if I don't get her something nice, I'm in the doghouse. <laughs> and I am going to take that very seriously because just because it's a manufactured holiday does not mean you don't need to come through. Isn't that a great conversation? Especially when they say it's not a big deal. Yeah, that means it's a way bigger deal. Let's not do anything for each other this year. Right, that that right. is code for like, guys, we don't care. Like yeah. li- literally, like, no, I don't, I really don't care. I don't need anything. I yeah. mean, I feel like on the other side, like, wait, no, 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 they care. When I don't do anything the next day, I'm like, oh, no, I was supposed to do something. Oh, no, honey, it's no big deal. I don't No, That's not even that important. You didn't get me anything. Right. You seriously? You, you actually believed note. that? You could have written a note. You could have made me a card. You didn't even have to buy a card. You could have made me a card. <laughs> you could have just happy. shown up for me, okay? <laughs> no, I, I don't think, I don't want to, in case my wife is listening, hon, I love Same. you very much. Same. And I do not, I do not think you no. would actually react like that. But I do get the feeling that you might have a little bit of hidden resentment towards me if I got you absolutely nothing for Valentine's, Valentine's Well, I mean, Day. you are talking about her on the radio right now. I mean, I, I got my wife at home and I, as much as I joke about <laughs> 
about it and I make <laughs> naggy, naggy voices. My wife doesn't nag. She's just an amazing person. Meg, I love you, baby. And I, I, I can't yeah. wait for tomorrow. Yeah, me either. And hopefully Chalfers can come through with those roses because those, those are nice. We'll, we'll uh, stay tuned for that. Yesterday was a big day for me, people. In case you don't uh, know, I did get a chance to interview one Charles Hoskinson, who is perhaps the preeminent figure in all of cryptocurrency. He spent uh, 45 minutes on the phone with me yesterday, and he is so, so smart, smarter than even I thought he was going in. Mitty, you ever heard of the name before, Charles Hoskinson? I haven't, but I'm interested. You got me thinking about crypto. Most people have not um, heard of that name. I would encourage them to be able to tune into a WKXL Spotlight episode that comes out on Thursday of this week between the hours of 4 and 5. It'll be live right here on WKXL, and you'll be able to hear from Charles in our interview, and then uh, I want to meet this guy. Well, uh, uh, I didn't meet him in person. I met him over the phone. But he's a very impressive individual, talking about like bringing woolly mammoths back to life. I heard about that and recently. Flowers that can can glow in the dark. Like what's that movie where they're all flying around? and oh, stuff is Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, um, he mentioned that during the interview too. His his company's working on stuff like that. It's that's not really so. cool. In all honesty. Um, I know it's you know veering away from the sports and all, but whatever. It's your talk show. We can talk about whatever we want, right? Um, I, I'd actually <laughs> I like guess. to pick somebody's brain about the crypto because my wife and I are, are trying to put away money for a house right now, and obviously you need a down payment. So um, we're, we actually just hit a really nice milestone the other day. Uh, if we put another $500 in our savings account, we will be up to even and uh, have nothing. <laughs> so very big. That's a really nice goal for us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good feeling. Um, you know, you really gotta gotta bear down and get those bills paid. Yeah, get the banks yeah. off my off my tail and the phone calls and Absolutely. the letters in the mail. <laughs> Be nice for those to stop. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the Celtics. They play tonight oh, against it. Brooklyn on the road at Brooklyn. We only have two games, people, left before the All Star break. Celts are forty-one and twelve. You mean the ping pong game? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. It's just back and forth. This yeah. It's just not interesting. Ole, dunk it. I could care yeah. less about that stuff. I'd way rather watch Caitlin Clark in a three-point shooting contest. I'd rather watch Caitlin Jenner. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Yeah, it's just not exciting at all. What I will say is somewhat interesting, though, about the Celtics' schedule and what, what we've done so far. I told you, 41-12. and 12, Brooklyn's 21-31. and 31. Four of their last five. The, Brooklyn's terrible. Okay, but let's look at the Celtics' 12 losses. I'm just going to read them to you real quick. Minnesota, Philadelphia. Two of the best teams in the league. At Charlotte, we lose. Okay. At Orlando, we lose. Okay, so there's two. At Indiana, who's tough. Golden State, we lose. At Oklahoma City. Indiana. At Milwaukee. Denver. The Clippers, who are one of the best teams in the West. The Lakers, who won the in-season tournament. Those are the teams we've lost to. Like, the Celtics only yeah. lose to really good teams. And the only team on that list that worries me even a little bit is the Clippers. And I still think we're... Hands down, better than them. I, I we're not hands down better than. I, I think we are. If we get to the finals, I don't think they're a team, a cohesive unit. Well, we'll find out. We won't play them unless it's in the finals. So if they make the finals, they that made, means they'd have won three series. They'd be a cohesive unit at last, that point. Did, have they even won the playoffs recently? I mean, they, yeah, they won a series or two, but no, they're they, like they the won, Bruins they because look, Kawhi's gotten hurt. Maybe yeah, Kawhi's a multi-time he, uh, champion, so he's a stud. But if he's hurting, then you know, there's only so much you can do. But he's been healthy like uh, this year, yeah. and and when you're the best player in the NBA, which he is when he's healthy a lot yeah. of times, you know, you can become cohesive with your team. Yeah, you can, uh, but the Celtics have been doing it since the first game. The Celtics are playing championship ball, and 
you know, they have their occasional slump. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be the best team in ball, you're gonna ball out pretty hard. So you're going to be tired for certain games. You're gonna be you know, you're doing those two a days. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be feeling it. It's gonna catch up to you. But as you said, they're only losing to really good teams. And, and they're coming after you. Everybody's coming after you with your too. Best, best shot. Exactly. That's why the Celtics have beaten all the bad teams when the bad teams really want to beat the Celtics. So yep. that is a positive uh, side of things. And, we'll uh, see Brooklyn tonight the at heat, Brooklyn. The Heat's been our nemesis. I mean, we've, we've we always had a, an issue with the Heat. We destroyed the Heat the other day. Yeah. Was it 141-110? Well, we beat them this weekend, I mean, too. It was only 110-106 or 110-104. So it was a close game. But we were up for most of the game by more than that. Just Miami toughed it out and got close at the end. But still, we win. And that's that's what the Celtics have been doing against any of these mid-level or bad teams. So we're going to do it again tonight. We're going to go into the All-Star break. We got a five-game lead over everybody in the East and a four-game lead in uh, the loss column against the Minnesota Timberwolves who lead the Western Conference. So the Celtics literally have a four-and-change game lead on everybody in the NBA. We are good. I just don't know if we're battle-tested enough and tough. I guess tough is the word, Mitty. What about the Bruins? They play Tampa Bay at home tonight. You had a nice uh, piece oh. of info about this game. Bruins are playing at home against Tampa Bay tonight. That's right. It's Brad Marchand's 1,000th game, if anybody uh, hasn't been following. That's a, a pretty big milestone. And uh, I believe they said he's the third Bruin to have 1,000 games. I, I didn't even uh, know it's 1,000 games, honestly. Yeah. But it would make me want to play Brad Marchand to score a goal tonight and pick, him, uh, pick the Bruins to win the game yeah. because... I think he's a winner, and I think you a winner is going to want to win, and this team's going to want to win for him on his thousandth game. Yeah, if it is in fact absolutely. Yeah. Unless you're making this up just to kind no, of sound no, no. cool. No, he just played his 999th game, and he, as of right now in his career, has 397 goals, which is just about 0.4 goals per game, which doesn't sound crazy, but I mean, averaging almost a half a goal per game in the NHL is extremely difficult. You know, to score a goal every other game ballpark. I mean, that is. You're going up against some good teams. You're going up against some great defenses, some great goalies, and some great <laughs> offensive players. And you are 397 goals. Just Dude's think about that. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll hit a hat trick tonight and have 400 goals yeah. in 1,000 games. 513 assists. So he's, he's averaging more than one half of an assist per game. I mean, he, so he is he's setting up his teammates for, for success, and he is making his team better still after – a thousand games tonight. I mean, that's oh, he's the toughest guy on the team for my yeah. mind. If you watched over the last couple of weeks when we needed the goal in the trenches, this is the guy who got us going. And when we had no yep. momentum in games, he yep. made it made it happen. Or if you needed somebody to bite off an ear like Mike Tyson, whatever you got to do, he'd be the most likely guy to do Absolutely. it on the team. I think uh, the goalie situation. I do remember talking about briefly yesterday, but this this bears watching. People, the first game out of the All Star break, so the Bruins have opened up with a seven game homestand post-All-Star break. The first game out after the break, Jeremy Swayman had the start. We lost. Then Linus Allmark, the second game, we won over Vancouver. Third game, which was just this past Saturday here against Washington, Swayman was back in net. We lost in another horrible game. So Allmark should be in net tonight. And I'm just saying, if he gets the win now, we're seeing a little bit of a pattern. It's 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. We're going back and forth. But maybe Swayman has hit a rut after an incredible first half of the season. Swayman is an incredibly talented young goalie, and I don't think anybody's going to deny that. But he's a young goalie. He's still he's still getting his you know feet wet, if you will. But uh, 
do you, do you think that maybe right now uh, he he maybe is hitting a slump and Allmark is going to take the lead role? I want I want to ask that question on tomorrow's yeah. show. Like if Thomas Polk calls in tomorrow, which he should plan to do. Thomas is our resident uh, NHL hockey expert. Played in the NHL for five years. He loves to call into the show. I I want to be talking about the goalie controversy tomorrow. So if Allmark gets the win tonight. If the playoffs started the very next day, who would you want to start game one? That's the question. Got to be Linus. Right? That, and, and that's a complete about face from two weeks ago. We're going to hope Swayman develops into what we think he's going to develop into. Love me some Swayman. I don't want to trade either one no. of these guys. Thank you very much, Minnie, for coming in today. Thank you, everybody out there in the listening audience. The Sports Machine with Slim is New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio right here on WKXL Radio between 10 and 11 a.m. every weekday. 1450 a.m., 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester are the radio dials. You can always catch us live on nhtalkradio.com.